0: Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at com slash happier. That's 50% off your first box at com slash happier.
1: Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you ideas for how to build happier habits into your daily life. This week, we're gonna do a roundup about the four tendencies, which is just so fascinating. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and talking to me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And in case you have forgotten, I'm an upholder, and she's an obliger. We're a great team.
0: That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretch, I am not too proud to admit that I'm really jealous you're an upholder.
1: I love you just the way you are.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Well, before we get into the show, we want to remind everybody that last week we announced that we are going to be doing a live podcast in San Francisco on January
1: 21st. Yeah, huge. Our first live event. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah,
0: really exciting, um, really nerve wracking. And the cool thing is that a copy of your book, Better Than Before, comes with the ticket and you will be signing those books yeah. after the show.
1: Yeah, and we've been talking so much about what are we going to do in the show. We want to have surprises. We have, want to have little treats. We're taking it up a notch. It's going to be really exciting and very cool. Um, and it's at the Brava Theater um, in San Francisco. Again, that's January 21st, a Thursday. All the details that you need um, are at com slash happier. And that's S-L-A-T-E, like the slate that you write on, Dot com slash happier
0: and if you sign up for slate plus you get 30 percent off the tickets and it's uh, very easy to sign up there's a link right on the website
1: this is going to be very cool elizabeth I... uh, and her parents are going to be there um, yes supporting uh,
0: like, us various relatives yes <laughs> yeah uh, my assistant went to berkeley and she's threatening to come up so she brooke may be there
1: excellent so hope to see you there
0: we did an overview of the four tendencies in episode 13, which can be found at happiercast.com 13. And then we devoted an episode to each of the four tendencies in episodes 35 through 38. But in case anyone's listening for the first time, why don't you just do a quick overview again so everyone knows what we're talking about?
1: Right. And so just to refresh everybody's memory, the four tendencies are upholder, questioner, obliger and rebel. And this week, our try this at home tip that's related to the four tendencies for our roundup is to reach out to the members of your tendency.
0: Yeah, Gretch, I know when you go to conferences, you sort of group people together in their tendencies, right?
1: Yes, I've done that. And it is so fun because the people are so excited to be with their tendency. <laughs> it's like they they're like they can't talk fast enough. Um, they are thrilled to be with people who see the world the way they do and who face a lot of the same issues um, and frustrations with other people as well. Yeah, it's like
0: you can kind of sit around and say why do they like you can <laughs> if you're an obliger say, you can just complain about upholders being, you know, having so much perceived willpower, you know, from our end. or if you're a rebel, you can just think everyone is ridiculous for being sheep, right?
1: Well, it was, it's funny because I was at this one conference and I had people divide up. And so the rebel tendency was teeny tiny. The upholder tendency was only slightly larger. And then upholder and questioner tendencies were so big that they had to form multiple groups um, because that's how it, it kind of works out in the population. And in the rebel tendency, there were only two people. One was a, a nurse from Ireland and one was a doctor from Singapore. And they were like soulmates. The minute wow. they sat down, it was like they were just talking a mile a minute. They had everything in common. And they were talking about their work experiences, their personal experiences. And it was like they had so much to talk about.
0: Yeah, well, you know, Sarah, my writing partner, is a fellow obliger. So she and I spend quite a bit of time discussing, you know, being an obliger and, you know, how to do X, Y, and Z because of it. Uh, so it's um, I definitely find it helpful to talk to my fellow obligers.
1: Well, and all of the, all of the tendencies have weaknesses, and so I think you can get ideas from other people in your tendency of ha- what strategies they've used to offset that limitation. So if you're a questioner and you have analysis paralysis, then you could talk to other questioners about how they manage that. Or if you're an obliger, you're like, I need external accountability for because the- I want to get up earlier. What have other people tried? Or as upholders, I mean, it's been really helpful for me to hear about. T- tightening. Yeah. I thought I was the only one that experienced tightening. It turns out this is a very ubiquitous problem for upholders. And so once you know, know about it, you can watch out for it. And it's just fun. It's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone likes talking about themselves. And how crazy the rest of the world is too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let us know if you like found your, your fellow members, and if bonding with them, um, shed any light on your tendency or how to manage yourself or other people. And this is episode 43. So you can find all this at happiercast.com slash 43.
0: Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash Gretchen.
1: So, Elizabeth, one of the questions that we posed for this Roundup episode was for people to tell us what they thought the motto of their tendency should be, or or any tendency. And I have to say, I couldn't get enough of these. Oh, yeah. We got them by email, we got them by voicemail, and I was just like, just couldn't get enough. They're so brilliant. Um, so, I'm an upholder, so I'm gonna start um, with the upholder, some of the upholder ones that we got by email. I can do the things I want to do, I can also do the things I don't want to do. Yes, very true of upholders. Here's one I got a big kick out of. It was, why didn't you just do it the way I told you to? (laughs) It's a big upholder thing. And another one was, yeah, yeah. And then one was, do the right thing. Those were great mottos.
0: Um, And Gretchen, I'm going to read some obliger mottos. You can count on me, and I'm counting on you to count on me, which is brilliant. 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 Yeah. Mine um, that I contributed was, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I think I said that in a previous episode. (laughs) Uh, Another one, and this one is referring to Obliger Rebellion, which I loved. Uh, Going, 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 gone.
1: Yeah, that really captures Obliger Rebellion.
0: And then one listener responded, the only reason I'm actually typing this is because I sent my motto to my friend who got me hooked on the show And she asked me to send it and I told her I would. So I have to do it because I'm an obliger. And my motto is, oh, I better get that done so I don't get in trouble. But that I relate to more than any other. I am so that person. Um, A few proposed mottos were a little more aspirational as slogans for obligers to keep in mind. One was say yes to less.
1: Good and another
0: one yes and another one was treat yourself as you treat others yes which is so great because it's like the reverse of the golden rule <gasps> do unto others as you would do unto yourself it's you know treat yourself as you would treat others
1: that is such a good insight that is so true for obligers that is re- I, I okay I'm writing my a note that's going in the that's going in their book. Yeah, no, no, so I'm writing a book about the four tendencies. Yes, this is all fodder, which I'm so excited about. Um, and and but but just that insight that you take the golden rule and you reverse it because that's what obligers need. They don't need to be reminded of the golden rule. They need to be reminded of the reverse of the golden rule. This is again like it, just because something is some something that other people have to think about and remind themselves, you might have a completely different set of issues that, you know, you you need to you need to tackle. So anyway, okay, brilliant. Okay. Um, But I digress. Now let's do questioner mottos. Mm -hmm. Um, Then, you know, Jamie's a questioner, so these all um, ring true for me. Convince me, prove it, don't lose sight of why. Now here was one that I thought was really interesting. It was because I say so, with the emphasis on the I, and that's good because the questioners are so interdirected. It's because I say so.
0: Um, okay, I'll read some rebel mottos.
1: They had a lot of rebel. They uh, had a lot of mottos. We
0: yeah, we got a lot of mottos from rebels. Uh, the first one is: It's so hard when I have to, and so easy when I want to.
1: That's so true.
0: Love that. May the bridges I burn light my way. <laughs> That's really funny. My way, my time, because I feel like it. Uh, Just do it. Damn the consequences. Yeah. I do
1: what I want. And and here's a rebel motto. I had um, I had written somewhere that my my motto as an upholder is that discipline brings freedom, um, which is a very upholder way of thinking. And this thoughtful rebel wrote and said, as a motto for rebels, I propose flipping your motto. On its head, Gretchen, um, because Upholders and Rebels are, are can be described as antithetical. So while you live by discipline brings freedom, I live by the motto, freedom is my discipline. And I thought that mm-hmm. was brilliant.
0: That's great. And then another motto for Rebels that I think is also brilliant, you can't make me and neither can I. <laughs> and that goes to the fact that Rebels, as you describe, it's not only outer un- expectations they can't meet, it's also sometimes inner expectations.
1: Yeah. I mean, these are just genius. Genius. They're they just really so, are. They perfectly encapsulate these kind of very big, complicated ideas. And, and here are even more. We got some fantastic voicemails. So here is a, a motto montage. <laughs> Hi, my name is Nancy, and I am an upholder from
0: Michigan, and my motto is, do what's right even when you
1: feel uptight. Hi, this is Jen from Chicago. I'm a questioner, and our motto should be, seek and seek and seek and seek, and maybe you shall find. Hey, it's Jess, and I'm calling from Austin, Texas, and I'm an obliger. I feel like our motto should be, if I have to, I will, and if I want to, I won't. Hi, this is Susan in Seattle and I am an obliger and my motto is oblige yourself. Hi, I'm Angela from Somerville, Massachusetts and I'm a questioner and my motto is because I said so, I don't think so. Hi, my name is Stephanie and I'm a questioner and our motto is optimizing life even when we don't want to. Hi, my name is Katie, I'm calling from Northern California And first thought I was a rebel. So the motto that I already knew I had was, you can't make me. But now that I know I'm a questioner, my motto is, you can't make me, but I will if I want to. Hi, this is Kristen from San Diego,
0: and I'm an obliger. The one word motto is, sure. But I think the expanded motto is, sure thing, absolutely, I got this. No problem.
1: Hi, this is Judy from the Garden State of New Jersey, and I am a questioner, and my motto is, why? Okay. (laughs) Or, why? Uh, no. (laughs) Thanks. Bye-bye.
0: Hi, my name is Laura. I'm calling from Watertown, Massachusetts. I am an obliger, and our motto is, you complete me.
1: Hi Gretchen and Elizabeth, my name is Stacey and I live in Ocean Pines, Maryland and I am a classic obliger and my motto falls kind of under the philosophy of the three little pigs. My wall is only as strong as I build it. Hi Gretchen and Liz, this is Amy Haddon from Atlanta. I am a questioner and when I heard your podcast, my motto instantly came to mind, tell me why and I'll comply. Thanks. Have a great day. Wow, that that, that is so great. Um, it was fascinating to hear the mottos, and it was also fascinating to hear the listener responses and questions. Um, we got so much great stuff, and um, so we're going to read some emails that we got. Um, And we had to cut a lot of these were really um, had lots of insights, lots of questions, lots of um, observations. And some of these these emails we had to cut um, just so we could cram more in. Um, But here, let's launch in. uh...
0: Yeah, the first one is from Lily. And this addresses questions um, that a lot of people ask, Scratch, about how to deal with a rebel child or yourself as a rebel. So Lily writes, I am a rebel. I've also taken on things that other people thought were impossible. I see rebels as game changers, revolutionaries, and out-of-the-box problem solvers. I have some thoughts with regard to dealing with rebel children, and that is this. Rebels learn best by suffering the consequences of their decisions. So you may have to let your child suffer the consequences of whatever behavior it is that they are exhibiting until they have learned what is no longer comfortable for them, I can assure you that I pay my bills on time every month. I have an excellent credit rating and that everything in my house is in working order because that is how things work best for me. No one is picking up the broken pieces for me. If you are parenting a rebel child, you may have to suffer along with them while they are learning the consequences of their decisions. But the quicker you allow this to happen, the sooner they will learn what they can get away with and what they can't get away with.
1: But and can I just say that's excellent advice for rebel parent for rebel parents. I've heard that of people who are parents of rebels s- saying along those lines. Also very important with adults, yeah. and that if you are consistently like running into a situation and fixing it for a rebel, they're not going to change. And that can be very frustrating because sometimes like in a couple, if they let something slide, then you might also bear the negative consequences for that. But like then maybe you want to do it yourself. But the way that they change is when they want it to change. Um, And so there has to be a situation where there's something that they want to change. So that's great, but she has more to say that's really helpful.
0: Yeah, Lily also says, with regard to motivating myself, the only way that I'm going to do something that I wouldn't ordinarily want to do is to do it with someone and have it be a fun experience. I hate working out, I hate going to the gym, I am not athletic. But I do enjoy bike riding and would do it more often if I had someone to do it with to make it more enjoyable. Rebels need rewards. So if you want me to do something I am not motivated or interested in doing, make sure it is fun and there is a reward in it for me in the end. Win-win is where it is at.
1: I mean, this is the thing about rebels. They really need to think about what do they want is it fun? Is it pleasurable? Is, this, is, is it meeting some goal that they set for themselves? And the more that they focus on that, the more they're able to follow through on everything they want to expect from themselves. So this is a really good insight into how rebels can manage themselves to get where they want to go. Um, And then going to the other side, the upholder side, I thought this was very funny from Leanne. I identified with this totally as an upholder. She said, "'I've been taking out books from the library on a consistent basis since I was three. As an upholder, I treat the books and the privilege with near reverence. Recently, I borrowed your book better than before. Much to my horror, someone had highlighted and underlined the book. Since all the highlights were concerning obliger, I must assume the guilty party was an obliger. When I returned the book, I told the librarian about the highlights.' Two days later, I received a bill for $31 for destroying the book. I called the library and argued on my behalf. They waived the fee, but as an upholder, I am most disturbed that the library would think I would mar a book. It has nothing to do with the fee. I just don't want to be perceived as a rule breaker. And I have this as an upholder all the time. Like, I want to, like, argue vociferously with somebody to absolve myself with something. They're like, who cares? Like, okay, you're five minutes late. I don't want to hear a long explanation. I don't care. But as an upholder, I'm like, no, no, you have to see. Um, so I thought that was hilarious.
0: And I have to say, I, I have a, um, a kind heart toward the person who highlighted the obliger <laughs> section. Yes.
1: No, it's good. Engage with the book. I love hearing as the author. Yes. I, not as a library patron, but as, a, as an author, I love that, hearing that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe another obliger who checked out the book after the subholder found those highlights. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, here's an email from Kelsey. Kelsey says, over Thanksgiving, I had my whole family take the tendency quiz. It turns out my family of origin is 100% upholder. It manifests slightly differently in each of us, but it's all there. My husband is a questioner and he fits into the group pretty well when we can explain things satisfactorily, that is. But my brother's wife is a rebel and every holiday we seem to have difficulty keeping all of us happy. Whenever the rest of us decide on a plan, she wants to do something completely different. Often, this means that she does something by herself while the rest of us do our original plan. But she ends up feeling excluded because we all don't do what she wants. Do you have any tips for how a group of so many upholders can have more harmonious visits with our rebel? This is a great question.
1: First of all, I can't even conceive of a whole family being upholders. That's very unusual. I don't even know what that would be like. I want to hang out with that family. But it's also interesting because this is a thing that many rebels will say. Like, if somebody plans out a whole itinerary for them, the rebel does does not want that. Like, they don't like having their schedule controlled that way. They don't want to meet all that, you know, keep to that calendar and do what somebody says. So, this is very much how a rebel would respond to some kind of group plan like that. And I also think it's interesting because it shows why rebels might get along best with obligers. Because mm. I talked about how when rebels pair up, they, all, they most often pair up successfully with obligers. Because you can imagine that if the, to an obliger, if somebody was like, oh, but I really want to go ride in a hot air balloon, an obliger would be like, oh, well, it's really important to you, so I'll come with you. Whereas the upholders and the questioners are like, man, we got our own plan, so you do what you yeah. want, but we're sticking to the plan we made yesterday. You can see how that, that could work out in a, in a group.
0: I'd say a tip would be leave like an afternoon where the rebel is deciding what you do. I mean, why do you have to create an exact agenda? Why not leave some room for, you know, what someone else wants to do?
1: But I just got to say, if you said to a rebel, well, you can decide what we do on Saturday afternoon, they're not going to want to do that. So they'll just, like, just even you know, the idea that you're well, just the idea that you're giving them a window will enrage them. You know, and then they'll be like, well, I don't want it. I, well, maybe I want to do something tomorrow morning. Like, they don't like to be right. boxed in. And, and like to an upholder and a questioner, be like, let's make plans for the whole weekend. You know, and no, that's not how Rebel is. So maybe you just want to say something like, hey, guys, why don't we just when she when she presents a plan, let's try to roll with it and be flexible to show that we care about being with her. Um, because if they sort of scheduled in that flexibility, maybe mm-hmm. they can do it. Um, <laughs> Or maybe just explain to her, you know, like we're just not that flexible. (laughs) You know, we made a plan and no harm, you know, no hard feelings. And we'd love to have you if it's fun for you. If this sounds like something that you'd like to do, you can come along. And and maybe just being very explicit about the fact that she can choose or not, then she won't feel like she needs to do something different just to assert herself. Because a lot of times a rebel will choose to do something, even if they don't necessarily want to do that badly, just to show that they can't. Because Ah, they want to know that they're free to do it. So the more you're like, oh, we would love to have you here. And we're hoping that you think this museum exhibit sounds great. And here's a review, you know, but you do what you want, then maybe she can be like, eh, maybe that sounds cool. Maybe I will come. That sounds like a great idea. Well, here was something interesting. and I really don't have anything to say. This was just some, uh, an observation somebody made that was so striking to me. So Mickey sent in an email saying, it seems like questioners don't like to be questioned. With my new understanding of the tendencies, I turned the table so on my questioner friends and asked more questions. This was not welcomed. Have you noticed this? And the fact is, I had not noticed this, but when Mickey pointed this out, I was reminded of the fact that my husband, Jamie, who's a questioner, hates to be questioned. And in fact, we had this decades long joke called N2K, which is need to know basis, which is Mm -hmm. I'll ask him something and he'll refuse to answer me. And I just say N2K because I'll say like, "Um, what are you making for dinner? And he won't tell me. Mm -hmm. I'll say, what time is brunch tomorrow? And he won't tell me
0: because it's N2K. It's funny you always mention this, so i because well it makes me crazy. This habit, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I didn't. I just thought it was his his obstreperousness. I didn't tie it to his questioner nature. So anyway, if anybody has noticed this, please. I haven't noticed this with anybody else, but if anybody else has picked up on this pattern, I think it's absolutely fascinating. So Mickey, thank you. I am in hot pursuit of whether this is like a questioner thing.
0: And Gretch, you know, we had asked people how th- their tendency sort of fit into their career. Um, and we also heard on that front, which is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Dave said, I'm a personal trainer working one-on-one with clients in my home garage gym. I've started to include the four tendencies quiz in my intake process when starting someone new, as well as getting all my existing clients to find their tendency, what are your favorite examples specific to each tendency to make healthy choices, specifically regarding
1: consistently eating higher quality food? Well, th- this is a fascinating question, and I think it's it's a great example of how you can really tailor your message to address what's going to resonate most with a particular tendency. So, upholders are not if they, they want to consistently eat higher quality food, they're not going to have much trouble with that. So, you want to just be very clear about well, what w- what would a higher healthier diet looked like. And then once they understand that, you know, very specifically, how would you translate that into everyday life? It's going to be pretty easy for them to execute on that. With questioners, it's all about the reasons. You need to provide more than ample explanations, justifications, studies, research that's going to show this is why you should eat this way. Um, This is why I'm saying this and not this. This is why I'm saying this much and not that much. And the more you can provide justification and the more they believe in your authority, Um, Because they have to believe that you're worth listening to, then the more Mm -hmm. likely they are. Because once they buy into it, once they decide, like, oh, I'm going to quit sugar, they can do it. But they have to be convinced. So you want to give them a lot of research. Obligers, it's all about external accountability. It always is. So you want to say something like, okay, well, what's this going to look like? And how are we going to, you know, am I going to, are you going to keep a food journal that I'm going to review? Are you going to email me pictures when you eat in a restaurant? Um, Are you going to have an accountability partner or an accountability group who's going to keep you accountable for your eating choices? Obligers can also be think about their duty as a role model for other people. So you could say things Mm. like, well, you need to model healthy eating habits for your children or for, you know, or for people at work. I've heard of a lot of obligers who use their children as accountability partners for their own eating. Um, And so they'll say like, oh, my 10 year old daughter looks at my food journal. Or my 10-year-old daughter picks out recipes with me. And children love to be police, so they're good at being (laughs) accountability partners. But then also it's this idea, like, I have a—and then somebody said, like, well, I know if I don't buy that junk food and bring it into the house, then no one will eat it. And so I I owe it to others. I'm accountable to Mm. others for being that. And then rebels, you want to be like, this is what you want. This is this is what works for you. You feel healthier. You feel um, it's delicious. And then also to play into their idea of uh, not wanting to be controlled. You don't want to be sucked in by all those ads and like that processed yeah. food that the food industry is trying to cram down your throat, and trying to trick you into buying. You want to be free. You want to make your own choices. And maybe you want to do something in a different way. So you're going to have eating habits that are kind of Edgy or different from other people, you know, because you like to do things in your own way. You're not going to eat the standard American diet. You're going to eat this better way. So that's 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 why you might tailor it to the four tendencies.
0: Uh, along the same lines, we heard from Elisa, who's a doctor, and told us how this um, affects her practice. She says, I am a family physician who practices something called functional medicine, which prioritizes lifestyle interventions. I had a patient who was very resistant to my recommendations to help with the goal of weight reduction and treat pre-diabetes slash insulin resistance. In the course of my interaction with her, rebel popped into my head. I ended up switching gears and making a list of possible suggestions she could try if she wanted to, rather than a more directive style, which I find works best with most people. This patient ended up coming back at a later visit, having taken one of my suggestions and her weight was down and she was feeling much better. I do not think the result would have been the same had I been directive." which helps with the upholders slash obligers. The questioners are also covered in a more directive approach, as I always give a detailed explanation of my recommendation and try to link it with something I know that is important to them. But for the rebel, as you point out, that strategy just does not work.
1: Well, I just think this is brilliant. I mean, it's like, look at the patient that is in front of you and speak to the way that patient is gonna hear what you're trying to convince them to do and the kind of thing that's going to work for one person might be actually counterproductive with another person. And so here's a doctor who's like, you know what? I have to I have my usual way of doing it and it's not going to work with this person, and I'm going to meet her where she is and give it to her in a way that's going to work for her and then she's able to act on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know like Sarah's doctor has her come in once a month because you know, although they're not saying Sarah is an obliger, it's the, even if you don't put the word to it, it's the same thing. It's like her doctor finds that people respond well to the accountability of having to go in every month. And that's similar. My doctor is the same way.
1: So it's a, fe- it's a great example of how the tendencies can help you get everybody where they want to go uh, in the way that's right for them.
0: Thanks so much to everyone for all of your questions and comments and insights about the tendencies. You know, I'm sure, Gretch, this won't be the last time we discuss the four tendencies <laughs> uh, because it's, abs- yeah, yeah. Um, and you're writing a book about the four tendencies, a very right, specific yeah. book. But um, anyway, it's it's great. So thank you, everyone.
1: Post
0: your job for free at linkedin.com
1: slash Gretchen.
0: That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Time for demerits and gold stars. Gretchen, you are up with a happiness demerit.
1: Oh, yeah. And and uh, I definitely earned this demerit. Um, okay, so I travel a lot because um, like, I'll go on book tour, but then I'll also speak. So I end right. up traveling quite a bit. And and this and so it always causes some, you know, like slight chaos in my family and whatever. And Jamie and I usually like every week or two, we'll sit down and like kind of sync up our calendars a week or two in advance. So we kind of have a sense of what both of us are doing. And because of Barnaby, it sort of is harder on Jamie when I'm out of town now because I'm more of a morning person and Jamie's more of a night person. So I'm the one who gets up at six a.m. to walk Barnaby, um, and then he does the la- the late the the last walk of the night, and that works out very well. But so if I'm out of town, that means that Jamie has to get up at 6 a.m. and Mark Marnie meet, which is like uh, he doesn't like to do that. Right. Um, you know, he likes to just – usually he just gets up and goes whenever it kind of suits his schedule for that day. So he, it's onerous for him now, more onerous than it, even it used to be when I got out of town. So a couple of weeks ago, like I – Didn't tell Jamie that I was going to be in Philadelphia. I had to go to Philadelphia the next day until the night before. And I mean like 9 p.m. the night before. And because I just hadn't paid attention. And then I looked at my calendar. I'm like, wow, I have a 7 a.m. train at a Penn Station tomorrow to go to Philadelphia. And so I had to spring this on Jamie at the last minute. And let's just say he did not appreciate that. And he was like, you know, you've got to let me know. And what if I couldn't have done it? And... Anyway, lesson learned. I am not, you know, I cannot manage my calendar, um, you know, yeah. uh, the last thing of the day the night before. So, uh, okay. And so I, I will not be doing that again, for sure. Now, so take lesson. us up. I learned my lesson. Gold star. What's t- t- Take us to a happier place.
0: Well, Gretch, I am giving myself a gold star this oh, week. Oh, good. Good. Um, and it's a very fun gold star. So I have um, two of my best friends, uh, are Sarah and Kareen, and... We sometimes, well, I say sometimes, we've only done it once. We'll go away for a little <laughs> girl's trip. Um, but of course, we're moms and we're busy and, you know, we never plan anything. So that's why it's only actually happened one time. Uh-huh. But the other day I got um, an email from a place we like to go in Ohio that they were having a 40% off sale on the hotel. Ah. So that's a huge savings, obviously. So right then I forwarded the email to these two and I said, does anyone want to go to Ojai plan, you know, plan a trip and get this 40% off? And they both said, yeah. But of course, then I was hoping someone would go forth (laughs) and make the plan. And that didn't happen. Yeah. So the next day I just said, I'm picking a date. I picked a date um, in April when we're all usually not working because that's a usually hiatus for television writers. And I sent them the days it's during the week. So we won't miss weekends with the kids. And I said, do you want to go these days? And they emailed back. Yes. And so I booked the hotel and we're doing it. And so I was just gave myself a gold star for actually following through. And now we have this girl's trip planned, which I know will be lovely and wonderful and restorative because, you know, we talked about recently how I want more time with friends.
1: Yeah, that was um, happiercast.com slash 39 for anybody who wants yeah. to hear that because you were talking about how you, I wanted more solitude and you wanted more time with friends.
0: Yeah. So this will be more time with friends. And um, I feel like I did them a good deed too, because I know they'll enjoy it. So anyway, yay on me.
1: And I think that's a good example of sometimes you just need somebody to pick a date. Like if everybody like sits around and tries to pick the perfect date, it's like it, it, somebody just has to say, let's try this weekend and hope it works. And, you know, and it did work. So that, that Yeah. yeah.
0: And by the way, it could get if we have to cancel it because, you know, Sarah and I end up having to do something, then we'll cancel it. But at least now it can happen and for 40 percent off.
1: And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember, try this at home. Try to spend some time hanging out with some people in your tendency. And talk about what it's like to be you. Um, let us know how it went, if you got any insights into yourself or other people.
0: And remember, Happier will be live at the Brava Theater in San Francisco on Thursday, January 21st. You can get tickets at slate.com happier. Tickets are on sale now.
1: I cannot wait for that. That is going to be so much fun. Um, and if you're thinking, well, I don't live near San Francisco, but I still want more happier, um, you can text me um, at 66866 and in the message box type the word happier and you'll get a text back that asks you for your email address. And once you confirm that, um, then you'll be signed up for my newsletter. Um, so that's 66866 happier. Thanks to
0: our producer, Henry Malofsky. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at gretchenrubin.com.
1: Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Craft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward. Hi Gretchen and Elizabeth. My name is Diana. I'm living in Charlotte, North Carolina. I am absolutely 100% an obliger and I was trying to think of what our motto might be and I loved Elizabeth's um, yes sir, yes ma'am, but I think a little bit of a nicer spin on that comes from one of my favorite movies from growing up, The Princess Bride, and I would say her motto is as you wish and not to say that. An obliger does everything out of love, but it just makes you feel like a little bit less of a pushover, um, but if you're doing things to be thoughtful as to what other people are expecting of you, putting others in front of yourself, uh, and sometimes doing it out of love. So that's my upbeat motto for us obligers.
0: That day, she was amazed to discover that when he was saying, as you wish, what he meant was, I love you.